Radio 94.5 FM. My name's Maya Billick. I'm joined by Dan Gordon. We've had a few technical difficulties, but we're really happy to be back right here with you, relishing some really good albums, and it's an absolute pleasure to be going through the self titled debut release of Sydney Heavy Hitter Flume. Yep, it's such a fun record. Really taking me back to when I was in year 10, when this album first came out, way back in 2012. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit of a time capsule, this one. And how he was able to sell out the Horton Pavilion. It was also the first time that he'd performed Left Alone with Chet Faker. Nobody really knew much about him, and look at how far not only Harley, but how much um, Nick Murphy have come. Yeah, we're going to be talking about his impact on Australian music and Australian music's perception all around the world, and, of course, all the little uh, bits and bobs that this album has to offer, as well as his somewhat unconventional start in music. Yeah, so stay tuned right here on FBI Radio 94.5. If you're tuning in for the record for the first time, give us a hello. Let us know what you're up to on 0409. 945945. We're about to go through and break down an album um, for for the next hour, right up until one o'clock. We're going to go through the cultural significance of Flume and this record and the time since. It's going to be a real riot. Now, even though everyone probably already knows the origin stories to Flume, we're just going to do a quick little recap, little refresh. Uh, He was... In his formative years, whilst eating a box of cereal, he stumbled across one of those, a demo of Fruity Loops, which is a musical program, um, which I'm sure had a multitude of limitations, but opened up his mind into the world of music production and songwriting. 
Uh, now, look, we briefly spoke about the lore, the origins surrounding Flume, and a little bit about his beginnings, but I wanted to kind of touch on maybe this album's impact on other people making music and starting out making music. I think that this album played a key part in lifting the veil that was surrounding music production at the time. Um, and I mean that in a positive way. I think that it really kind of opened up the doors for people to start making music and start messing around with production and writing songs. And and maybe before this album came along, you know, and not to say that it reinvented the wheel, but I think that it showed that you don't need all this fancy flash gear to make really, really good and high, high tier quality sounding pop music, you know, like Flume started out making music on a probably very low tier version of um, Fruity Loops, which is, let's like, let's be honest, Fruity Loops serves its purpose. It's like a decent recording program, but Mm. it's not a Pro Tools, like it's not, it's not like a an Ableton, you know? And but he I think he's shown that you don't have to have all that stuff and it's sometimes not necessarily about having all the top gear rather than it is having an idea. Yeah, like this would have been before the OP one, before the MIDI keyboards, and he was very much able to really hone in and this is what we're going to talk about after these next few songs, but how he was really able to encapsulate the flume sound that is so clear and still something that you just, you hear and you know that he's behind it. Yeah, and look, just to be clear, I do think that this album was recorded on high-tier recording programs. Like, I just feel like his origins really helped making music seem that little bit more accessible to people whereas it might not have, you know, prior to this in Australia. On that, we're going to jump into the biggest track on the album, Hold It On by Flume, right here on FBI Radio, taking it back to 2012. Give us some of your memories of this song and what it means to you on 0409 945 945. Don't go anywhere, you're on FBI. Hold it on, hold it on, hold it on. Don't know, do you 
making it four for four on Flume's self-titled debut, which we're going through right here on For the Record. We kicked it off with Holding On, Right Into Left Alone, the track I mentioned. Um, I believe he said when it was 2012, performing this album at the Horden Pavilion, it was the very first time Nick Murphy and Harley Stretton, a.k.a. Flume, had performed the song live together as an encore. I think it was really last minute, just they decided to do it like that. And now look at him. And then a very close second, this last one, Sleepless, featuring Jezebel Doran. My name's Maya Billick. I'm joined by Dan Gordon. Hi. If you want to shoot us any of your thoughts or memories on the record, you can get in touch on 0409-945-945. And just before we move on to the next little section of today's show... Dan and I really quickly wanted to take a moment and check in and see how you're going and if you're okay. This time right now that we're in is a very unsettling time and very weird and there are lots of industries at the moment and communities that are really, really feeling it and really doing it tough. If you're one of those people, we're right here with you. But unfortunately, that means that FBI Radio is also really feeling it and If you have the means, think of us as your team in quarantine. If you have any spare change that you can flog over to FBI Radio's way, we'd be really appreciative. You can head to fbiradio.com slash support, become a supporter for as little as five bucks a month, or if you can, make a one-off donation. It's tax deductible. Your team in quarantine, FBI Radio. Or if you can't do that, definitely go to your favourite band's uh, band camp or online store, buy a record, buy some merch, buy anything you can, if you can. It all goes a long way, a little bit goes massive, massive way to help these bands that can't play live, which definitely makes up the bulk of their money that they get. Um... And hey, seeing all the support that people have already shown is just huge and really pleasant to watch so keep on going if you can now moving back along into mr harley stretton aka flume's debut release uh we're talking a little bit about sound now and now while flume has kind of moved on to bigger better more outlandish i think is fair to say uh sounds post this record i think that this album did what it needed to do perfectly it is a shining example of uh, the blending of experimental electronic music and pop music. And, and definitely, hip-hop. Yeah, and hip-hop as well. But I think those two, are, to me, are the key to this album. And I think is it, it brings in, you know, some of the more oddities from the worlds of Flying Lotus and the LA beat scene yeah. around 2006 to 2009. And then some of your more like poppy elements alongside something like a like a Mount Kimby or a James Blake or any, kind of anything in and around that post dubstep era. Um, seems like the merging of those three worlds kind of really helped to create the world that Flume exists in right now. And I think this album definitely was the start of that and the start of like a bigger picture. And you know he has just such a distinct. Um, sound like you know, K. Trinata has a distinct choice of the synths that he uses. Same thing goes with Flume. A very distinct use of some wobbly synths and how they built the atmosphere in the song, timed with a really good way of building and curating a drop. I think is what really established him as a musician yeah and i mean obviously his drums definitely kind of play off that jay dealer sitting just behind or ahead of the beat yeah uh, wherever you kind of want to position yourself and and he is for sure a disciple of that but i don't think i think that he kind of finds his own rhythm um you know as the album goes along yeah and i wouldn't have really it's so obvious i wouldn't have picked up on the flying lotus reference until you brought it up a little earlier but it it really is just like such an amalgam. Just just the contrast between the traditional like sampling of soul music on holding on to the vocalist he's employed for on top T shirt. Like he, he's been able to strike both sides of that scene. 
Yeah, and I, I don't necessarily think he's trying to, to dumb down any of these genres to prop, you know, any of the other up. I just think that he's he's doing it in such a way where it's palatable for everyone. Yeah. Because, like, not, you know, as much as I love Flying Lotus, it's definitely not Sunday. Well, some of it is Sunday morning listening, but the majority of Flying Lotus's tracks are fairly heavy hitting kind of all over the place. So I think that he's kind of done a really smart move and made it accessible for everybody, but still interesting for everybody. What was also one of the major successes of the release of this record was how much it was able to shine a light on successful independent music. This was one of the albums that really broke like future classic and established them as a key Australian tastemaker beyond like pub rock and alternative rock music, which we're going to dig a little deeper into after these next few tracks. So don't go anywhere. On to one of the songs we talked a little bit about before. This is On Top featuring T-Shirt. You're tuned in to For The Record here on FBI Radio 94.5. All that I want in this life is the chance to do Top, 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 top. 
All my people there back in the spot, let us yeah, What you got for me, world? What yeah. you got?
up the top, you heard On Top featuring T-Shirt, Stay Close after that, and then Insane featuring Sydney's own Moon Holiday. You're tuned into For The Record here on FBI Radio 94.5. We'll be running you through the debut release by Sydney's own Flume. So cute seeing Moon Holiday looking back on a Flume album and where she is today is one half of Din, still causing a ruckus. Super into it. Now, the reason why we really, in the end, decided to finally do this album for for the record was because it is really a big album and a moment in Australian music generally. It's going to be on one of those lists of records that really changed Australian music, I think, because at the time... We sort of mentioned a little earlier that there was a bit of a cultural cringe with Australian music, not to say that no one was making it or that it sounded really bad. I mean, like ACDC and pub rock bands were very established. It was pretty much like the norm and really popular. Um, And then around about 2010, 2012, when this record came out, even looking back personally on the kind of music that I was really listening to and feeling in that time, this sudden change of looking towards Australian music, I think, is because of records like this that really shone a light at home that we do have artists that can make good music and it ends up being recognised internationally alongside other artists like Courtney Barnett, Kevin Parker as Tame Impala, no? Yeah, I feel like those three artists really kind of held the torch for people and and opened up the gates in a lot of ways for maybe Australian music to get the recognition that it it definitely deserved. Not to say that it wasn't beforehand, but I feel like it made things a lot easier for artists that came after them. You know, like I I think that definitely a little bit of the perception was changed on the validity of Australian music. I mean, I guess it is just because culturally, like, we're so isolated and so far away from everything and we're always looking out, trying to match up to all of these big greats. You know, when you think about, like, the greats in music, Mm. they're not generally Australian. That's, I think, obviously changed since. But when you think of, like, some of the best across genres, they are artists that are from Europe or the United States. And this album, alongside... The other things that were really bubbling at the time shone the light back inwards and really made people feel proud about Australian music and about local artists. Yeah, I do feel like, like you know, in the in the early two thousands, not that it, not that people were shying away from being known as Australian artists, but it definitely wasn't something that you were shouting down, you know, people's roofs about. But I I think that it did kind of bring that you know sense of pride to be like, yeah, well, we're we're an Australian band, we make music we're from australia and that's yeah. fine and we have just as much merit as any other band from the states or the u.s and in fact considering how kevin parker courtney barnett and flume have now in fact gone on to be internationally recognized flume last year got his first grammy nomination f- for the high this is flume mixtape courtney barnett first landed on a playlist by barack obama Kevin Parker is also one of the biggest producers and artists in the world right now. The list goes on. It, I think, was a catalyst definitely for Australians to really start to care and develop keen interests in Australian music. On that note, we're going to jump into a few more tracks off the Flume record. This one's called Change. You're an FBI. Touch, 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 touch,
Nina Arvo here on FBI Radio. You are listening to Four Tracks by Flume. We're breaking down his debut album here on For the Record. From the top, we went from Change into Ezra, and probably the most fly low on the album, More Than You Thought, finishing off with a bit of Space Cadet. It's time for us to jump on out of here and make some room for Maria Dimitrakis. If you want to get in touch, drop us a line at for the record at fbiradio.com or you can follow us at for the record of femme on instagram shoot us some requests what albums would you like us to run through over the next few weeks but on that note we're going to play you the last couple of songs off the flume record this one's warm thoughts into what you need and then afterwards ending off with star eyes give maria dimitrakis a big welcome on lunch give her a big ups and a hello we'll catch you next week
Come watch you.